You are listening to Mamir's Well podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button to receive notifications of future episodes. We invite you to check out our sister podcast, the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, where we explore folklore, spirit work, and witchcraft practices from the days of our ancestors and today. Get your Burning Hallows podcast gear in our new Redbubble shop and check out our exclusive bonus content, including mini-sodes and Book of Shadows pages at patreon.com slash burninghallows. Also, don't forget to pay a visit to Alora's website at alorarain.com to grab a tarot reading numerology or soul origin profile. And now onto the show. The left-hand path. What do you imagine when you hear those words? Many practitioners are either taught or assume that those who engage in the left-hand path are dark or practice black magic, terms which are controversial all on their own. They may even automatically associate those who practice the left-hand path with Satanism, malefic magic, demons, cults, and the shadiest parts of the occult imaginable. But how much of our assumptions of the left-hand path are true? In witchcraft and the occult, ignorance is not bliss, but rather a poison that leads practitioners into judgment of each other's practices. Today's season three premiere welcomes left-hand path practitioner and high priestess Jasmine Ambrosia to help us demystify this path. Jasmine resides in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, is the high priestess of the Solar Court Coven, and runs a metaphysical business by the name of Third Eye Fortunes, both online and in her local area. Grab your ceremonial goblet and get ready to drink from the well. Warning, this episode contains explicit language and adult topics. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so first of all, welcome Jasmine. Yay! And thank you for accepting our invitation to be here today. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. So thank you guys for inviting me. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So I know. And I was like, who can we get to talk about this? And you were the first person that popped in my mind. Like there, there can be no one else. <laughs> it's my jam. It's my jam. I'm excited. Me too. Okay. So we've looked up some definitions on Google about the left-hand path, and we want to get your take on how much truth there is in these statements about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So according to historian Dave Evans, who studied self-professed followers of the left-hand path in the early 21st century, he observed the following things. He says, that they often reject societal convention and the status quo, which some suggest is in search of spiritual freedom. As a part of this, left-hand path followers embrace magical techniques that would traditionally be viewed as taboo. For instance, using sex magic or embracing satanic imagery. So can you- I was going to say, can I interject yeah. right there? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So- that's a great place to interject because I feel like when we're looking at this, the key word in this section here, I think is taboo. And I think that when it comes to the left-hand path, 
I mean, this is something that initially really has tantric origins. Mm. Um, so we're looking at something really that's Eastern that has come into Western esotericism. So it's changed, obviously, as it's crossed the pond in a lot of different ways, kind of like a game of telephone. But one of the things that is really true to the origin and the heartbeat of the left-hand path, even in tantric uh, practices, is this taboo aspect. So when we come to embracing satanic imagery, that's a very Western left-hand path thing because I would say for <clears throat> mainstream society, especially where I live, in the, in the Midwest here in the United States, like I live kind of at this tail end of like this Bible belt, tornado alley. Um, oh, yeah. We have a lot of really problematic politicians that are super, super conservative. And so satanic imagery is really shocking. But like if you were to be in maybe a climate that is more, I would say secular, it really might not be that taboo, theoretically, right? right. Um, so the taboo aspect of the left-hand path is really just based off of, you know, what is the path most taken and what is the beaten path? I mean, if symbols of the crucifix were seen as like super taboo and jarring, that would be left-hand path. Gotcha. The taboo, the taboo aspect is like that kind of almost, I would say, revulsion that, standard modern society might feel and they feel that way even towards sometimes a pentacle you right. know so definitely mm -hmm. taboo right. is just it's just that it's it's the revulsion of the norm and that norm is going to change based off of the geographic location and the culture right and I think that what you're saying is exactly what he was saying because he goes on to say this other guy Mog Morgan wrote that the breaking of taboos makes magic more potent and can lead to reintegration and liberation. For example, the eating of meat in a vegetarian community can have the same liberating effect as anal intercourse in a sexually inhibited society. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mog there is kind of talking about, you know, this left-hand path, right-hand path, this whole dialogue these are essentially the two hands of God is how it's kind of viewed as Brahma source, whatever. So oh. that's kind of, it's like OG origins. Now it's definitely changed. Like I said, as it's crossed the pond, as many religious thoughts and ideologies, philosophies change, like things don't always stay the same. Right. I'm learning things, <laughs> but yeah, the vegetarian, the vegetarian aspect, I mean, a lot of India is vegetarian and, you know, is not going to necessarily be eating, especially like pork or, or beef. Right. Mm -hmm. So eating that would be a taboo and that would be a revulsion versus where I live. You know, we fry those puppies up at the state fair, honey, and dip them in a snickerdoodle. Okay. <laughs> you know, where I live, we stick up here with a casserole. Okay. <laughs> so that's not really taboo here. I would say for the modern Midwestern American household eating mm. pork would not be taboo. Hmm. So the same guy, Dave Evans, is also saying that followers of the left-hand path often question religious or moral dogma, instead adhering to forms of personal anarchism. This includes things like the threefold law or belief in karma. What do you think about that, Jasmine? Now, you know, we got to touch on this. Now, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to touch on this one from like 
the left-hand path side, but also just, just from Jasmine's side too. Okay. I feel like in terms of moral dogma and adhering to personal anarchism, well, yeah, I mean, the left-hand path is about self-liberation and self-deification. So you as a living, breathing manifestation of the divine are to know what is best for you. Like the truth is internal. We're not searching for it externally. There might be dogma, but the dogma of the LHP would be from within, theoretically. Now, I think the caveat to this is like the catch-22 is that if you're in a left-hand path space that is more organized, like if it's a part of a tradition, then you're going to have the tradition of the dogma, which wouldn't really be left-hand path. That would be more right-hand path. So mm. the left-hand path itself is not a religion, just like the right-hand path itself is not a religion. These are personal ideologies that we're talking about that can shape our religious and spiritual and political experiences. But the left-hand path itself is not really a religion in of itself. There are religions that connect, you know, especially like Satanism, Luciferianism, demonolatry. These would be religions that we often associate with the left-hand path because they connect themselves to it. But like Thelema, for example, you can argue that's right-hand path or left-hand path, kind of depending mm -hmm. on who you talk to. And then this whole aspect of the threefold law and karma, for one, let's be real, okay? Like most people here in the United States are not <laughs> really adhering to any sort of karma, and they've probably never even heard of Dharma. True. Like their right. great great grandmother told them <laughs> that what comes around goes around and called it karma. And so they believe in it. I think that most people take, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep it real. The new age community, the whole chakras, karma, all of this cherry picking Hinduism, it's problematic. It's, right. That's problematic to me. Why are we mixing Jesus and Buddha and chakras? and healing crystals and karma, but not dharma. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense and it's diluted. Mm. And I just, I don't vibe with it. I think that it and of itself is almost white tourism of Eastern religion and just kind mm. of picking along the way what we like and seem shiny. And then the threefold law, I mean, I know Gardnerians who don't even believe in the, th in the interpretation that most people have of the threefold law. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the threefold law is like, whatever you send up, baby, comes back to you three times. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've also heard the flip of the script of that, which is a witch is to treat others by the power of three. So like, you know, you do me right. I do you better. You do me worse. Bless your heart. You know what I mean? So <laughs> there's that too. Um, Good point. Personally, I don't really believe that there is a sentient universal, all-seeing, all-knowing, whatever the fuck, that really gives a damn that I caught you off in traffic, right? I don't think that there is. I think that me cutting you off in traffic could make someone else swerve and then hit another car and endanger somebody. Yeah, that's more butterfly effect, though. And I view that with magic as well. Mm. Wow. And when it comes to the threefold law, too, if we're looking at this from, like, the lens of a ceremonial magician or a witch you should be doing your divination prior to doing spell work anyway. Good so point. if you see yes. an outcome that Hello. is not favorable, <laughs> right. If you see an outcome that's not favorable, you have all the time to change your outcome for your desired effect. So mm -hmm. yeah, in terms of the left-hand path, but also me, 
I think that the threefold law in karma is white tourism of the Middle East and the Far East. Wow. Yes. <laughs> All of those things. Kitty, wow. <laughs> no, for real. She, I, 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 like I said, I, I could sh- listen. You're, I, I love it. <laughs> I just yes. love it all. Well, I <laughs> I definitely wanted Jasmine to come on here because one, I can listen to her talk all day. And two, yeah. she's very, very well-spoken, very yeah. intellectual and gets Yeah, in there I feel like I have nothing to really, it. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to really say that's going to even sound remotely eloquent enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, okay. When you say white tourism, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. White tourism of Eastern religions. I think this is pro- more prolific than we realize, just because uh, you know certain concepts, certain spirits, even cannot be taken out of a particular culture without losing their context. If that makes sense, because they're not they're not specifically linked to witchcraft. They actually belong to a completely different belief system. Like who? For instance, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But okay, sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just like, <laughs> oh, like who? Who is this? Well, I, well, no, I was more specifically referring to I was talking to a friend of mine who is of Japanese heritage, and we were having this discussion. And a lot of this spirit that are in Japanese folklore belong to faiths like Shinto, for for example, and you can't pull those spirits out of of Shinto belief mm-hmm. and them still have context, like and fully understand. Yeah. And it would be wrong to do that. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? Yep, fully understand. I would like to also say too that like since we're talking about the left-hand path and the right-hand path, these are things that very much originated out of South Asia. So we're looking at like North India, South India, a goddess that I see a lot of practitioners working with being Kali Ma, the dark mother Mm -hmm. and that sort of manifestation. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't necessarily believe personally, now I'm not, you know, Punjabi, I'm not Desi. So I don't believe that I have the authority on this, but as someone who does work with my local Mandir, that being like a Hindu temple, I've interacted with the community locally and I feel like stuff of interactions with the Mandir that yes, you don't take Kali out of her pantheon. You don't take her out of that culture. You don't make, you know, her story for her but you could still interact with her. She is the Mm. destroyer of the ego and she is like the shapers of souls, the mother of darkness, Kali Ma, Ma being mother. And so I've gone to like the Mandir and Pujad or prayed, you know, there during Mm. her ceremonies and like at the actual Mandir. But I feel like in my practice now, it's kind of something that my relationship has changed as I've known better so I can do better. You know what I mean? Right. And that's exactly why we are, you know, doing podcasts like, like this one, because personally I am not well-versed in left-hand path. I don't know a heap about it. And so the more we talk about it, the more information, actual information and knowledge that we can obtain, we can do better. Right. So, well, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I knew anything about it now. (laughs) But I've always found it very interesting. Like every time, anytime I hear the left-hand path, I'm like, ooh. Uh, but oh, I, yeah. think, well, I think that's more. the point. 
right? Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that is so the left-hand path kind of mindset of like (laughs) questioning God, not questioning God per se, right? Because God can be plural, singular, duo, mono, atheist, whatever, but the questioning God, like the God who questions and Mm -hmm. embodying that sort of archetype of like, why is that? Like, why does your magic work as a witch? Where do you get your magic from? How does it actually work? You know, or talking to, I see this a lot on TikTok. So-and-so is talking about like their mediumship. How does that work? Like when you communicate with the dead, where are they? How Mm -hmm. do you experience them? And I think the left-hand path and the questioning God archetype makes a lot of people uncomfortable because it makes them kind of pause Mm -hmm. and actually question their personal religious cosmology. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something as like, especially the pagan community struggles with more in a way than some organized religions like Christianity, Islam, Judaism, because those cosmologies are very much, here's what it is. And we have things telling us here's what it is. But for a lot of the pagan, really the neo-pagan religions, that cosmology kind of has to be experienced yourself. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I feel like that's kind of a left-hand path aspect as well as like, you're not just being told, here's the afterlife. This is heaven. This is hell. This is purgatory or fill in the blank. Because there are Eastern religions that also have the concept of reincarnation and nirvana. Like, why is that? If you believe in reincarnation, like, how does that actually work? When does that actually happen? Mm -hmm. If you believe in reincarnation, how are you a medium? Where's, where's the line in the sand between when a soul reincarnates or is your mediumship ability not actually interacting with the soul of the person, but the imprint that their essence left behind? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the archetype of like the questioning God. So realizing how little we actually know, like all Mm -hmm. of us about a whole lot of everything Mm-hmm. is kind of the essence of the left-hand path. Like, you know, nothing. Mm. I love that. I, I always say, like, I always tell people, you know, I just, I'm a questioner in general. And I think, Alora, you're like this too. Yes, ma'am. I always want to know the why behind everything. I've always asked questions, you know, growing up in church and school, what, wherever I'm at, if you can't tell me the reason why I'm supposed to do something or believe something, then I'm going to have a hard time doing it or believing it because I need to experience that and know, you know, know the reason behind it for yourself. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, and that is something that the left-hand path in general, which remember the left-hand path, right-hand path, these are not individual religions. These are ways of explaining morality principles and values, even yep. sometimes political beliefs. So the, this is this is less about like, this is a particular religion, but I would say mm-hmm. that people who value left-handed principles would embrace the fact that the status quo or the Hierophant card to bring in some RWS into this dialogue, that the Hierophant, which represents tradition and order and structure, it kind of looks like the Pope really in the writer Wade Smith Tarot, that we would question why are things just status quo? Why do we do these customs and traditions? Mm -hmm. And turning the Hierophant upside down is something that the left-hand path as a whole, I think, embraces. And I think that's something that the right-hand path often doesn't because there's a benefit of control there. Mm -hmm. And religion and philosophy and literacy has been used to manipulate, you know, communities for 
I don't mm. know how long. Eons I, mean, I don't know. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll get into this next point. So the third thing that he observed is that those who engage in the left-hand path understand that magic is always practiced for personal gain and regularly use it to increase their status in society. I can't wait to talk about this one. (laughs) I mean, yes and no. Those who engage in the left-hand path understand that magic is always practiced for personal gain. I don't know. That sounds really condescending to me and Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Like they understand that magic is always practiced for personal gain. No, I mean, no, I don't think necessarily that. I think there's not an element of shame in the left-hand path spaces that if you decide to do a spell for the sake of, I want to look hot and I want people to think I'm hot, damn it. Or I want to do a spell to make some money so I can pay rent and buy some cute art to hang on the walls that I'm renting. You know, (laughs) like that should not be shamed. Like, use your magic for that, witch. Come on now. Now, come on. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's what really the, the point that I was excited about is because there is this, you're ne- I don't know where this came from, but I see a lot of witches who do work magic for personal gain be persecuted and raked over the coals by other practitioners like what like why are you doing that I'm sorry for eons witches have been using magic to break through circumstances to overcome Mm -hmm. oppression like what I don't get it yeah oh the oppression one's a good one The, the oppression one's a really good one because you know as a content creator right I mean we get all types of like commentary from people of you know, all backgrounds. I think that the shaming of personal gain, in my opinion, comes from a deep root of like some severe Abrahamic trauma. Yes. I think that's where that comes from. Yes. Because shame and like sin is not really like a concept of left-hand path philosophy, but also of pagan basically anything that's not Abrahamic, right? Like there's really not this sense of like sin. Now shame can exist in some other religions as well, because there's this concept of like reaching enlightenment, right? And so there is still kind of this sense of like, not quite sin, but like, oh, if you do that, you know, you're not going to reincarnate as like a higher being, or you're not going to reach enlightenment and nirvana because you're indulging in this, that, and the third. So I don't think it's all Abrahamic trauma, but I believe that in the West, where I am experiencing it the most in my community, mm-hmm. it very much is. And then I would say that the other thing, as far as increasing their status in society, this to me ties in also with politics, because I see a lot of witches who I am extremely active and vocal, even in my local community. Like over the summer, we worked directly with ND10, which is our Black Lives Matter charter. And at the store, we were selling charity candles and we raised over $1,000 for ND10 to help them with the protests and things that were going on. And I'm very proud of that. And I had witches in my local area kind of turn their nose up at it or just not want to get their hands dirty. They didn't want to buy the charity candles and do the spell work to help with the protests and things going on because like that's they felt like that wasn't their fight or whatever the case might be. Witchcraft, in my opinion, is inherently political, and anyone who thinks that it's not, and who thinks that witches haven't used the craft to break barriers of oppression, I encourage you to read the Gospel of Aradia and come back to me, and I'm going to leave you with that. <laughs> or just look through a history book 
I mean, a lot of American folk magic has come out of oppression, right? So hoodoo, voodoo, a lot of that. I mean, it was an amalgamation of old world religions that was then used to overcome oppression in the new world. And, and you can't say that it wasn't. I mean, you can't, yeah, there's no way. Okay. Okay. They often embrace sexuality and incorporate it into magical ritual. Do they? I would say that there is, if we're looking at the left-hand path, right? If I'm not speaking just from myself, if we're looking at the left-hand path, I would say there's nothing that would condemn necessarily having sexuality woven into a ritual. Mm. So for example, this all kind of ties back to whatever is taboo, right? So Mm -hmm. like some people argue that Thelema in the West is a very LHP sort of path to walk because of like the Gnostic mass. Are you guys familiar with the Gnostic mass? Uh, oh. Refresh my memory. I've heard of it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, are either of you familiar with like the great right that's like yes. practiced yes. throughout like traditional Wiccan spaces? Oh, yes. yes. Okay, so it's similar, I would say, to that in the sense that we're talking about something sacred, like it's not like it's just like an all-out orgy necessarily, but it is ceremonial sex. (laughs) (laughs) It It is like ceremonial sex, you know, sometimes with witnesses, sometimes with people who like leave the room or it's behind a curtain, but like that is a tea. And, you know, not even to that extreme, but like just even sky clad or nudity and rituals in general, you know, that's going to be taboo here in the West. We don't really have that in our churches. And when we do, it's not for a sacred reason. Except, I don't know, I saw in some documentary thing recently, I don't even know which church it was, but uh, they were doing the whole sacred sex ritual in a Christian church. And I was just like, wow, okay. Yeah, that's different. I've not heard of that. Yeah, I was like, oh, what church is that? I may have not left the church. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. Kidding. (laughs) But yeah, I think that like, like I just got back a couple days ago into town from like, this big coven retreat and like we were out in the woods you know completely to ourselves and it's dark like we're in brown county indiana which is known as like little appalachia basically and so we're in the hills and hollers honey and we're (laughs) around the bonfire and we're doing what it do you know what i'm saying and uh, (laughs) it's a sacred thing to have like nudity like intentionally and with purpose right it can be a really liberating thing to be in a circle of people that you trust and to be that vulnerable and that open it's also very healing especially for people with like body dysphoria or gender dysphoria or just body image issues in general to like enter the circle cloaked and then to unveil in that way hell yeah Mm. And also I I did follow your adventures on TikTok and social media. 
of, of the coven retreat that you posted. And I was oh, yeah. so jealous. I was like, oh, <laughs> I would love to have been there. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing thing for sure. Okay. So the last point here that Mr. Uh, historian makes is that the left-hand path differs from the right-hand path in that the right hand seeks to be beside and in service to God or gods, while the left engages in deification of self and worships no one. The left-hand path seeks to preserve individuality, while the right seeks to destroy it with association to the collective. I feel like that is such a loaded statement. (laughs) But you know what? I feel like out of this entire list, that's probably what I agree with most. I was actually talking to a coven mate before I got on here. And initially, when you sent this to me, I sent it in one of the coven chats. And I was like, y'all, pull cards. <laughs> As you do. Sorry, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to scream into the camera, but that's, that's me. And the coven was like, do it, do it. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. You know? And so when I was talking to one of them today, Cause like, they were like, Oh, like did, you know, what, what are your notes? I'm like, girl, notes, notes, nay, 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 honey, nay, nay, nay. I got too much mutable energy in my chart to be doing notes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I feel like this is the quote here that I agree with most because what it all boils down to, as I would say, two keywords, which is annihilation and apotheosis. And annihilation is the goal of the right-hand path. It's to, and we're talking about the ego here, okay? So the right-hand path seeks to annihilate the ego, to completely destroy the ego. The ego is something that holds you back from being connected to the right-hand path's interpretation of God or bliss, nirvana, whatever. So you need to get rid of it. It's inherently dirty or wrong, or it holds you back. And so you have to annihilate it. So it's this whole process of purification. And then on the other side, there's apotheosis. So it's the opposite. It's self-deification and it's embracing the ego and it's becoming God itself. So it's not about connecting to God. It's not about annihilating the ego. It's, it's the opposite. It's about becoming God and it's about uplifting and empowering the ego. And so, you know, you do with that as you will, but that in my opinion is how I would kind of break down the right-hand path and the left-hand path in the most layman of terms is, are you seeking annihilation or are you seeking apotheosis? My mind is just exploding. (laughs) That already happened to me, like at the beginning of this podcast. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, oh, that, that, but that sentence, right hand path seeks to destroy it with association to the collective. Like we could pick that apart with just how yeah. scarily accurate that is. Right. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you sit and think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say too, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the YouTube channel, Lunar Wisdom, but um, not that long ago, I was actually on her channel and we were talking about the right-hand path and the left-hand path. So if anyone who's listening or for either of you, if you want more um, ramblings of that, <laughs> you can find that video on her channel somewhere there. And, you know, we were both talking because 
we both come from some pretty traditional witchcraft backgrounds in the sense that like, you know, she used to run a coven. I believe she's in a coven again now. I'm not really sure. And I am a part of the solar core. And like, those are both things that are very right-hand path. I make a lot of left-hand path content and content that people just typically associate with the left-hand path, like baneful magic or Sahir or working with demons or Jen or whatever. But there's also a lot of right-hand path things. Like just the fact that I'm like, you know, a high priestess, that's not even really like the sense of hierarchy like that or degree systems within witchcraft of like first, second, and third degree. Those are all very right-hand path things, but that are an integral part of the solar court. So, I mean, I would say I lean more left mostly, but like, I think you'd be surprised on the things that like are actually kind of technically more right-hand path, like the collective which if you're not interested in flowing to the collective and building a group egregore, then why seek a coven? Like you can just drink wine around the full moon, girl. Just call right. it that. Right. Okay. Hold on. Since you mentioned the things that you do, I'm going to skip around a little bit here because you do engage in a lot of practices that other practitioners might find controversial or taboo. Like I saw your three Kings ritual on TikTok, and I thought it was cool as fuck, but I also know witches who would be like, Oh, hell no. If they watched it, because you're literally calling in demons in that ritual. So let's chat about some of the most commonly associated left-hand path practices and beliefs, get your thoughts on them, how they can be useful. And also talk about some of the other things that you do, because you are also a marriage celebrant, I think, right? Ordained. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you span the gamut of witchcraft. Fill of all trades, if you will. (laughs) Okay. So spirit possession. I don't know if that's necessarily like, if, if I'm looking at this through the lens of trying to speak for, in a general sense, left-hand path ideology, right? Like that is also found within the Pentecostal church. Right. Like, I um, was going to so, say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So spirit possession on its own, I don't really feel like that's necessarily like left or right. I think how those rituals might be done mm. could be influenced more from the left hand or the right hand of God, if you will. But I don't think it's like a possession ritual is inherently left-hand path because like if you think of some of these Abrahamic religions which a lot of people automatically associate as right-hand path which I beg to differ sometimes I mean look at people like Joel Olstein you want to talk about self-aggrandizing I would say that spirit possession yeah on its own is not necessarily left-hand path but spirit possession I mean yeah that's very much what the three kings ritual is I think there's different levels of it too, right? You know, so I grew up in the Pentecostal church and definitely saw a lot of spirit possession, but they don't call it that, obviously. (laughs) They call it feeling the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, and being filled with the spirit. So yeah, I I experienced it personally, uh, but I mean, yeah, I think there's varying levels of it and I'm not averse to it right well and I would I would think that especially experiencing it yourself because like 
I recently worked on this whole paranormal project over the summer and like my experience video for the tape was released tonight. That's kind of why we started like a little bit later because I had that premiere tonight. And like my experience was doing the Three Kings, which is like, it's my fourth or fifth time doing it, but it was my first time ever doing at the Indiana State Sanatorium, which is an old tuberculosis ward and later an insane asylum. And I had a really intense experience there. And like, oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah. Like the spirit possession that goes on in the Pentecostal church is very different than a Three Kings ritual mm-hmm. and an old tuberculosis ward later in Saint Asylum. But like, yeah, there's definitely different rituals of spirit possession. I mean, maybe it sounds some, similar though. <laughs> I would say, I would say also too, like even in some ATRs, um, you have like the concept of like spiritual drumming and like the spirit riding the practitioner. Mm. Would they call that spirit possession? I don't necessarily know. I won't speak for those, you know, communities. But yeah, so I don't think it's left or right. I think it just depends on the practitioner and like what their goal is. Are they having a spirit possess them for annihilation purposes to purify them with the Holy Spirit, for example? Or Mm -hmm. are they doing it for self-deification and for apotheosis? Mm. Okay, next one kitty okay so how about satanism and luciferianism what are they really and how do they differ okay so tiktok is not gonna like this (laughs) we'll just say that so and also too i will say this this is jasmine's opinion of these things i won't say that this is the left-hand path's opinion of these things but to break it down satanism and luciferianism like how are these religions different well it's kind of like greenland and iceland to me right Mm -hmm. like greenland's actually full of ice and iceland's actually quite green theoretically right so luciferianism is like the religion following lucifer it's very much deity based satanism satanists are atheistic and that's what tiktok is like i see all this like theistic satanism luciferianism exists kids like (laughs) theistic satanism isn't really a tea i mean maybe there's people making it a tea now but like luciferianism has been here Mm. satanism is about self-deification luciferianism is about working with lucifer Mm -hmm. so I would say that's how they're completely different. And most people are like, oh, that's satanic and she's a devil worshiper. Um, Satanists don't worship anything but themselves. Right. So Luciferians worship the devil, but probably not your interpretation of the devil that you think that they're worshiping, you know? Hmm. Right. Very true. Right. Not the Abrahamic uh, amalgamation of pagan deities. (laughs) Right. I mean... Some of them might say, like, I do have some Luciferian friends who basically break it down to where they believe that the God of the Old Testament is actually the God that most Abrahamic religions are worshiping. And the new God of the New Testament is actually Lucifer, the light bringer, and that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, that whole unholy trinity is here to kind of bring the fire to humanity, bring the enlightenment to humanity and liberate us from this oppressive God. Some of them do believe in quite the literal opposite of the Christian Bible, sure. But like many others just believe in Lucifer as like even the Roman equivalent of like Lucifer being the morning star, the the sun of Venus. Mm. 
Yep. I could talk about that. Like I could hear about this all day long. Yeah. Or like (laughs) some Italian witches see Lucifer as in like this star God, this Mm -hmm. Lord as like the father of Aradia, the queen of all witches who allegedly, and for entertainment purposes only, was a real Italian prophetess who taught the Italian peasants witchcraft to liberate themselves from their wealthy Italian lords. And her father being Lucifer, AKA the devil or the Roman God, depending on your Mm -hmm. interpretation. So yeah, yeah, I think that Satanism, I would say at at a whole would be atheistic and Luciferianism would be monotheistic. Gotcha. All right. Working with demons. Do you work with demons? Uh, And, and like, what are the myths associated with that? Okay. So I would say that this would be more a question for me than just like the left-hand path philosophy overall. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have no issue with working with demons. I think if we think about how we define demons, in my case, I feel like a lot of our so-called demons, um, and this is from my own personal experience here, from my own unverified personal gnosis, if you will, but I have looked into this a bit too. Most of our Middle Eastern gods in general are completely wiped out from our history books. And we do have you know, Mesopotamian and Sumerian goddesses and gods like Lilith and Ishtar and Ereshkigal and aspects of like Zoroastrianism and pre-Islamic literature left. But I think that a lot of these demons are deities that have been demonized. Mm. Um, a really good European example of this would be Hecate. Like she's very much demonized and like the neo-pagan community completely embraces her. But in some like religious groups she's seen as a demon like not just a Mm. pagan goddess so where do we draw the line between what is a demon and what is a pagan goddess and then there's Mm -hmm. also like the jinn right so sahir sahir like s-i-h-r being arabian conjure these are folk practices that predate islam and the jinn like the marids or the afrits or the Han or the john um have existed well before even like the notion of Allah or God, the Arabic word for God, right? Mm, right. Um, and so these jinn could also be demons. But then there are also servitors and thought forms and egregores. And then there's also nature spirits. So I think that demon is like such a buzzword because mm. I believe that we have demons that have become demonized. We have like pagan gods that have become demonized. We have actual infernal demons like Marbus, for example, or Stolas, or the Leviathan or the Behemoth that that are demons. But we also have like jinn that really don't have much of a space within Western esotericism, aside from like shadow people, but that would only be like the Afrit. That wouldn't really make up like the Han or the Jan or the Marids. And so where do we put them? What category do we put them? And, you know, to also like the Catholic church, anything outside of God is a demon, like mm-hmm. anything outside God and the saints are demons. So, yeah, I think that most witches do work with demons. Like, I oh, might yes. think that that's okay. Girl, I got a story just this weekend. Yeah, I was educated on the fact that um, astrology is demonic. <laughs> I was like, it is time to go. leaves the chat I was like ah this is not 
a conversation that I really want to get into because I do not have the energy or the will to want to sit here and explain to you why that's completely ignorant. (laughs) Yeah, for real, for real. And also too, like, is algebra demonic then? Because like, whoever said that algebra is an Arabic word, algebra, astrology, astronomy, algebra, all of this came from the Middle East. So yep. I hope that yep. they're also not using algebra because that's totally demonic. <laughs> <thing too. laughs> so I'm going to skip around a bit. Um, I do want to, so I do want to know this though. I do know that you're a wedding officiant. Be, that being said, and I do know that you practice a lot of left-hand practices what would you say your practice is really like, is it just an amalgamation of practices or you tell me? Well, as like a coven, witch, I feel like there's kind of two answers to this because we have like our coven's neo tradition that we're growing Mm. and building upon every year. So there's that aspect of my craft that we all pour into that chalice. But then there's also like my personal solitary practice that has nothing really to do with my life as a coven witch. My personal, like personally for me, there's a lot of Sahir, like a lot of Arabian folk practices from the Middle East, divination, of course, like duh, most witches are probably doing some kind of divination, especially if you're doing spell work. We hope. I do. (laughs) Okay. Pull your cards, honey. You know, and I also do like venerate the goddess, the goddess archetype, the dark mother archetype. Like I have gone through blood rites, modern day blood rites, AKA tattoos, and I have her all over me. And I venerate her on my altar. I gift her flowers. Like every time I go to the grocery store to get my food, I also pick up like a bouquet of flowers for my altar. Like that's just a standard practice. And I think that that aspect of like worship would be seen as something that's like is very not left-hand path of me because that's like kind of seen as more like a right-hand path thing like if you're seeking apotheosis why are you kind of going down this path of annihilation I don't really view it that way because I view myself as an incarnation of the energy that I'm devoting my life to and so Mm. I feel like by leaving flowers and making offerings and empowering this archetypal divinity source I'm also like taking time to give myself self-care and honor the goddess that I am as I walk and live and breathe. And then like the wedding officiant thing, I mean, hey, left-hand path, people got to get married too, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but like, I'm also queer. Like I'm a trans woman, I'm pansexual. And like, I kind of got into officiating weddings mostly because of that, because like where I live, there's like not, there was not a lot of people who like would do something like that and laws Mm -hmm. have changed and to be a wedding officiant like technically all you have to do in my area is like take a marriage law test from my state and it costs like 35 dollars now there's definitely like ordinations that you can further that with through various certification programs but to legally bind someone with your signature and marriage it costs 35 dollars and like a short test online Nowadays, you don't need to necessarily be a bishop or a minister or have a theology degree in order to like marry somebody. So mostly the LGBTQ community, um, the queer community is what really kind of motivated me because it's like if someone's not out there doing it, then someone needs to get out there and do it. 
So that's kind of what got me there. And I just finished my ninth wedding over the summer as well um, off of Lake Michigan. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Um, First time ever officiating a wedding on a boat. Okay. (laughs) That definitely came with its own um, challenges, but overall it was a beautiful wedding. What? Okay. Before I ask your opinion on resources here, I do know from, uh, as we're talking here, and as I have been thinking about the left-hand path, what prevents the left-hand path from being nothing more than a blend of chaos, magic, and ceremonial? Or do you think these particular magical disciplines sprang from the left hand? I would, I would say that ceremonial magic could be right-hand path or left-hand path because you can have ceremony as a part of your journey for apotheosis. Mm. Like becoming a living God can be a lunar ceremony once a month to empower yourself. So like ceremonial magic in general doesn't necessarily need to be right or left because this is just like how you approach it. And then like, what was the other thing that you said? Chaos magic. Chaos magic, I feel like very much draws inspiration from the left-hand path. I wouldn't say that it would be the other way around because the left-hand path, I mean, is a part of like the Vedas and these are the two hands of Brahma and God. And so these concepts have existed well before even the chaos book magic like the chaos magic books were even written. You know what I mean? Right. So I would say that chaos magicians pull from somewhat the left-hand path, but there needs to be some aspect of like self-deification and taboo and like some aspect of like revulsion to really make it left-hand. And that's where like sex and like substances sometimes come into play and rituals that are more of the left because those are taboo in a lot of societies openly hedonistically practicing so yeah I don't I don't know if I would say that ceremonial magic is is left or right I think it depends on like the intention of the practitioner if you're doing a ceremonial ritual with the intention of annihilating your ego and purifying your soul then that's a right hand path philosophy which like I'm also not really here to shit on the right hand path either that's just not necessarily where I lean. You know, if you feel like your journey is about annihilation and stripping yourself of your ego and becoming connected to God in that way, and that's what feels like truth to you, then the left-hand path thing of me to say would be like, do as thy will for thy will be the whole of the law. Okay. Okay, then. Yes. Jasmine, can you give our listeners some of your favorite left-hand resources, whether that might be books, shows, maybe there's other people online, TikTokers, just kidding. (laughs) I mean, I can give you some TikTokers too. Have you guys seen the, I don't know what her TikTok name is, and maybe it is this, but she does like the lunch with demons. Uh, No, I haven't seen that. No, but that sounds awesome. Okay. I don't know if that's her TikTok or their TikTok name or not. Um, I'm not really sure, but there's a whole like series that's called Lunch with Demons on TikTok. Also, as far as like other content creators go, Grimwire is a content creator who made a left-hand path versus right-hand path video. Mm. 
kind of explaining these things. If you're looking for more of like a masculine voice on this topic, also had him on my channel and we did a whole video talking about Lilith because I loved his Lilith video and Lilith is a goddess that I work with a lot. And she's also kind of like the mother of a lot of left-hand path modern religions. I would also recommend Angela Symposium. I don't know if I'm saying the last part right or not. We've had some white claws over on this side of the holler. Um, <laughs> but Angela is great. She also has quite a few left-hand path and ceremonial magic videos. So I really recommend checking her out. Another content creator would be Savannah or the Black Witch Coven. I don't know if either of you are familiar with any of those. Yes, um, I follow her. There's also Owl Moon 513 who's made like a left-hand path dark magic series that I would recommend. And then also the foolish fish. And I did write all this down, this resource part. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> foolish fish is a great left-hand path kind of guide. They made a video talking about left-hand path versus right-hand path. And also just like tantric spirituality. And it's, it's genuine, like Indian Hindu origins. If you're interested in like its beginning. I would also recommend The Cult of the Black Cube by Theon Publishing. Feeding Your Demons is another book I would recommend. I forget the author of that one, but Feeding Your Demons is a left-hand path approach to shadow work. Mm. I would also recommend The Glam Witch book by Michael Herkes, who I also had on my channel. The Glam Witch is the greater Lilithinian arcane mysteries, and he's great. He's been on my channel. You can check him out there, but I love the Glam Witch. Um, it's a really great text about Lilith, who is a goddess who's heavily associated with the left-hand path, the queen of abominations, mother of demons kind of vibe. There's also Tantra Illuminated, which you can find on Amazon, kind of talking more about, I think it's by um, Christopher D. Wallace, but that book talks about like the many different Tantric traditions and like the right and left hand of God. There's also the Gael Dal Kitab Hakim or the Picatrix in English, which is like a ceremonial Arabian grimoire that has all sorts of wild spells in it from how to get a chicken to follow you to making a woman not leave her husband kind of thing. All sorts of crazy stuff in there from animal sacrifice and idolatry and adultery. If you're interested in some taboo aspects. Uh, the Picatrix also is just like a crazy grimoire and reading it is set up so that way the magician who is practicing anything from the Picatrix, some of the spells that are in there are intentionally made to be like magical booby traps. It's a really crazy grimoire. So I would just <laughs> recommend checking that out if you're an occult nerd like me and you just want to fuck around and find out. Uh, also <laughs> like the cult, the cult of Saturn is a thing that you can look into. And then there's a book, and this one's a really big title. But if you're looking into like Sahir, Arabian Conjure, this one's my favorite. It's called Sahir, Jinn, Afrit, and How to Summon Them. The Banned Book of Sorcery, Spells, Magic, and Witchcraft, the third edition by Maximilian something. If you look up that title though, on Amazon, like it'll pop up. Maximilian uh, de Lafayette, I think. But that's like, it's moderately translated into English. I mean, it's not perfect because like it's originally written, I think, in Arabic. So there are some parts of the book that are a little rough. But if you're interested in working with those sort of pre-Islamic deities and spirits, I would recommend that book. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jasmine. We have loved having you on the podcast. 
Definitely. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? I have an Instagram that's just Jasmine, like underscore Ambrosia. So you can follow me there. If you want to like contact me directly, I would say that Instagram would be one of the best places to contact me. And then if you're interested in like taking any of my classes or courses, um, obviously, if you live in the Indianapolis area, you can come by the shop. We have a witch school there, but we also offer online and self-taught as well. So I do have a Patreon. It's Third Eye Fortunes. And uh, I have two different tiers, but on there, you can access all of my classes and workshops and lecture videos, as well as like early release to my podcast and early release to videos and some exclusive videos as well. We also have like other links, but I'll just send those to you because there's a lot of links. (laughs) But yeah, Instagram and Patreon are probably like the best ways to to get a hold of me and whatever other links there are. I think I have like a, a merch shop and stuff like that, but. I'll send those links to you. Awesome. All right, Kitty, do you want to wrap it up? Sure thing. We'd like to give a big thank you to each and every one of our listeners. Without you, there would be no us. Feel free to email your feedback, inquiries, and merch design ideas to Burning Hallows Productions, all one word, at gmail.com. Visit Burning Hallows social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stay tuned for the release of the next episode of Mimir's Well. And remember, despite our sweet reputations, we really have the hearts of men on our altars that we keep in jars.